0: your Bibles tonight and go to Genesis chapter number two, Genesis chapter two. Yes. No, no, not at all. I here when we read Genesis two, one through three, God set apart the seventh day because his work of creation was finished. And when he was pleased and content, satisfied with what he had created. Look at verse 31 of the previous chapter. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day, God was content. He was satisfied with everything he had created. There are three distinct things about the seventh day of creation week. I'll notice this in our verses we just read. There's no mention of morning and evening. There's no mention of morning and evening. When God rested No mention of morning and evening, it suggests that God's rest would have no end. But we know, unfortunately, as we keep reading, man's sin interrupted God's rest and God had to look for Adam and Eve. There's no record that God blessed any of the other six days. That's another thing to point out. But he did bless the seventh day. And in blessing it, he made it, the seventh day, a blessing. And then we see that God sanctified it, which means that he set it apart for his own special purposes. How many would agree tonight that Jehovah is the God of time as well as the Lord of eternity? Is that a true statement? He is. It was he who created time and he established the rotation of the planets and their orbits around the sun. It's, it's God and God alone that marked out a seven-day week. That's a true statement. How you try to go to the world to figure out where the seven-day week comes from, you'll, you'll leave yourself confused out of your mind when the Bible very simply tells us where it came from. God orchestrated the seven-day week and set aside one day for himself. Now think about this, every living thing that God created, now think about this, lives one day at a time. Everything God created lives one day at a time, except for humans made in God's image. It was said that most people in our world are being crucified between two thieves, the regret of yesterday and the worry of tomorrow. That's why they can't enjoy today. Now you don't have to answer this question. No raised hands. But how many today really enjoyed, enjoyed today? See, we can't. We struggle to enjoy today because of regret, because of worry. We rely on modern means of transportation and communication. And isn't it true we try to live two or three days ahead of time? It's like sometimes we try to live three or four days at a time, only running ahead, head, headlong against the creation cycle of the universe. No wonder we're worn out all the time. The results of, of what we try to do is painful and is often disastrous to us and our families. God had done many wonderful things during the six days of creation. But the peak of creation week was when God rested after his work. As we will see, God sanctified work as well as rest. But it's rest that seems to be the greatest needs in people need in people's lives today the personal Sabbath of the Lord God. Notice the second Sabbath we see in Scripture. We see the national Sabbath of Israel. The national Sabbath of Israel. There's no mention of the Sabbath in Scripture until you get to Exodus chapter 16. There's no mention of it until Exodus 16, when God gave the regulations to Israel about the gathering together the daily manna. From the way the commandment is worded, it suggests that the Jews had already known about the Sabbath and were observing it as a day of rest. In giving the Sabbath to Israel, the Lord related this special day to other events in sacred history. To begin with, God gave Israel the law at Mount Sinai. Now keep in mind, God gave Israel the law at Mount Sinai. The Sabbath was connected with creation. You read this in Exodus 20. Beginning of verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son or daughter. Your male or your female servant or your cattle or sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You see, God was the generous giver of all that they needed And they must acknowledge, God was wanting them to acknowledge him by worshiping him as creator and not the creation that they were enjoying. They were not to uh, imitate the pagan nations around them. Moses even mentioned the weekly rest needed by the servants and the farm animals in Exodus chapter 23. So keeping the Sabbath was an act of worship, but it was also an act of, uh, it was a humanitarian act as well as uh, a religious duty that was given to the Israelites. The Lord commanded his people to observe every seventh year as a sabbatical year and and every fifth year as a year of jubilee. This would permit the land to enjoy its Sabbath and to be renewed according to Leviticus 25. In Exodus 31, I want us to notice this. The Sabbath was a special sign. Now think about this, was a special sign between God and Israel. A special sign between God and Israel, Exodus 31, 12 through 17, says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off, From among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath, to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. So let me ask you a question The Sabbath was a sign between God and who? Israel. I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. There's no evidence. listen to me. There's no evidence that God ever required any other nation to observe the Sabbath because the Jews alone were the chosen people of God. There's no evidence. There's a third connection between the Sabbath and the Jews. When Moses rehearsed the law for the new generation, about to enter Canaan, he connected the Sabbath day with their deliverance from Egypt. He said this in Deuteronomy 5, he said, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall uh, labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or male servant or female servant, your ox, your donkey or any other cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, he said, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The weekly Sabbath and the annual Passover would remind Israel of God's mercy and God's power in freeing them from Egyptian bondage. This weekly day of rest would also be a foretaste of the rest that they would enjoy in the promised land, Deuteronomy chapter 3 tells us. God had brought them up out of Egypt so that he might bring them into the promised land to claim their inheritance, Deuteronomy 4 tells us. In the book of Hebrews, this concept of promised rest, Hebrews chapter 4, is applied to believers today. We know that Israel, isn't it true? As you keep reading, you understand Israel declined spiritually, right? They started declining, and they didn't observe God's law, including the Sabbath law, and they were ultimately punished by God for their disobedience. By the time of the ministry of Christ, when you read the Gospels, the scribes and Pharisees had done what? They had taken these these laws and they had added all of their rules and regulations uh, uh, to them. In in particular, the Sabbath um, day. You remember, Jesus was attacked over the Sabbath day. And Jesus, of course, refuted their man-made traditions and rules and even performed miracles on the Sabbath. He said in Mark 2.27, here's what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for man was made for man and not man for the Sabbath in refuting these religious elites of his day. We've seen the personal Sabbath of the Lord God, the national Sabbath of Israel, but I want you to notice number three, and I know some of that may have been boring to you, but it was important to understand the history of the Sabbath. And so as we go into number three, here it is, the spiritual Sabbath of the Christian believer. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. Go to Hebrews chapter four with me. I just referenced it, but let's look at Hebrews 4. Look at verse 1 of Hebrews 4. It says, Therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said, somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through the following of the same example of disobedience. Uh, This passage that we just read, Hebrews 4, 1 through 11, it brings together God's creation rest, Israel's Canaan rest to teach us about the spiritual rest that believers have in Christ. Isn't it true in 2 Corinthians 5, when we trust Jesus to save us, how how is somebody saved? Uh, By grace through faith, Hebrews 2.8 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, Hebrews 10.9, you will be saved, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And so when somebody confesses with their mouth, believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, They will be saved. The moment they get saved, you're a new creation. Everything in life has become new. A work of growth then begins in your life. When we're saved, when we trust Christ, we're a new creation. When we're saved, when we trust Christ, we also enter into His spiritual rest. You remember Matthew eleven twenty eight Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, before we got saved, isn't it true, you and I were sinners outside of Christ headed for hell, and we were labored and heavy laden. Uh, we were laboring hard. You see, the world outside of Christ is laboring hard to try to earn it all themselves. They're trying to fix everything themselves, something they cannot fix. Isn't that true? They need Jesus. You and I needed Christ. You remember when you were lost? We needed Jesus to save us. And Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're a new creation. We enter his spiritual rest. But we also enter into the spiritual inheritance that God gives to all of those who trust him, Colossians 1 and verse 12 tells us. We have an inheritance. Galatians 5.1 tells us that Christians, now listen, are not under bondage to keep the law because the Holy Spirit fulfills the righteousness of the law in us as we yield to him, according to Romans chapter 8 and verses 1 through 3. The Holy Spirit fulfills it. So we're not saved by works of the law. Amen? We can't keep the law. It was given to prove that fact. We cannot keep it. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Galatians, the entire book is about the Apostle Paul tearing down uh, the false teaching of adherence uh, to religious ritual and the religious laws that were being uh, forced on the people. The first Christians met daily for worship and fellowship according to Acts 2. But they also gathered together on the first day of the week. What is the first day of the week? Sunday. The first day of the week is Sunday. So history tells us they met for fellowship and worship daily, according to Acts 2. Then history tells us they met on the first day of the week. And why did they meet on the first day of the week? Somebody help me out. Why did they meet on that day? They rested on Saturday. Who rose from the dead? to commemorate the resurrection of Christ from the dead that is historically why the church gathers to worship on Sundays to commemorate the resurrection of Christ the first day was known as Sundays known as the Lord's day sunday not the sabbath day and to make the Lord's day into a christian sabbath as one uh, theologian said he said to make the Lord's day into a christian sabbath is to confuse what these two days stand for in god's plan So we must remember that. The seventh day of the week, the Jewish Sabbath, now listen, symbolizes the old creation and the covenant law. First you work, then you rest. The first day of the week, the Lord's Day, symbolizes the new creation and the covenant of grace. First you believe in Christ and find rest, and then you work. (laughs) First you believe in Christ, you find rest, and then you work. In the new creation, God's spirit enables us to make an entire 7-day week an experience of worship. Do you agree with me tonight that worship should be a lifestyle for the believer? Not a set apart time. It should be a daily lifestyle. We should be worshiping God at home, we should be worshiping at God with our families, we should be worshiping God at the workplace. People should see us adoring our Savior. The week is an entire experience of worship and praise and service for the glory of God. When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus hung, bled, and died on the cross, the Jewish Sabbath was fulfilled and is no longer binding on God's people. We must get a hold of that because there are some today who, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, still like to... uh, Put weighty uh, rules on people about adhering to these kind of laws. When Jesus died, he fulfilled it completely. And aren't you thankful for that? Because we never could. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Colossians 2, Paul said this. And keep in mind the apostle Paul. When he got saved on the road to Damascus, the first thing that God had to do was tear down his religion. Because Paul was a, a practicer of a lot of these things, as a leader as a religious leader before he found Christ. In Colossians 2, Paul said this, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink and in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. He said, No one's to act as a judge to you in these things, which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. And can I tell you something? I have a hard time with anything, any religious teaching in our world today that takes the emphasis off of Jesus Christ and puts it on man and his works. Jesus completed He said it's finished on the cross. You know, now it's true that some believers choose to honor the Sabbath day as unto the Lord. And Christians are not to condemn or to judge one another in this matter. That's what Paul's saying. When godly people disagree on matters of conscience, what well, we have to do? We have to practice mutual love and respect and grant one another liberty. That's what Paul says. Tonight, I wanted to help build a correct view of the Sabbath from the Bible to help us understand that rest, and listen to me. And I, I, hope, I hope I haven't confused everybody. Sometimes I confuse myself. But rest, Now listen to this, is, this is huge. Rest is not a matter of duty. It's a matter of design. Rest in your life and mine is not a matter of duty. It's a matter of design. Now, now keep this in mind. Psalms one twenty seven two. I, I may have this on the screen for us. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to His loved ones. How many of us have just missed that verse our whole lives? <laughs> you know, I mean, we've just we just miss it. Um, I want to give some practical application. Rest is not a matter of duty but design. Get some rest. Who, who said these words? These three words are a red letter commandment from Jesus Himself. And Mark six thirty one, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and get some rest. <laughs> For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. But rest is a consistent teaching in Scripture established from our text tonight in creation. We often get excited about the first six days, everything God created. And then we completely missed the seventh day when God rested. So in all that God created, all the magnificence and detail of creation that we all enjoy, don't miss that rest is just as much a part of God's design in creation as the sun, moon, and stars are. It's a matter of His design for us. Rest is a consistent teaching that we see throughout the Word of God. And look, God did not create you and me to run like robots. He did not create us to run like robots. We have limited energy. Isn't that true? We require frequent periods of rest and mental, physical, and spiritual intermissions to refresh and replenish our resources. I want us to notice a couple of practical things tonight that we all can do that will help us apply what the Bible teaches us in Genesis 2 from the Accretion account. The first thing you got to do is this. and This might be the hardest is identify what needs to change in your life. Identify what needs to change in your life. Look, God does not want every person in this room. He does not want you living in a constant state of exhaustion. I'm convinced for me because I often feel so overwhelmed. look, by the way, I'm preaching to me tonight. I don't think well, Luke's got it all together. I don't. I'm preaching to me tonight. I promise you. God doesn't want me. I've, had to, I've told myself, this way. God does not want me living this way. He does not want me living in this constant state of exhaustion where I'm always tired, always in a constant state of fatigue. Something is wrong and needs to change in my life. Something needs to change in your life. God did not design us to live this way. I was spelling busyness, um, and I accidentally spelled it business. One letter separates the two words, busyness and business, but there's an immense difference separated by one letter but an immense difference in these words when jesus was 12 what did he say he said i must be about my father's business not busyness not busyness when you look at the life of jesus in the gospels now think about this when as you read through the bible this year when you get to the gospels pay close attention to this jesus never appeared to be in this frenzied frantic pace He never appeared to be uh, uh, hurried. His agenda never uh, descended into spinning, frenetic activity. Uh, He never appeared worried about anything. I mean, for crying out loud, he was four days late to raise Lazarus. He once fell asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm while his disciples feared for their life. Jesus knew how to renew his strength and energy through rest. How many believe tonight that Jesus was human? He was God in human flesh. So he needed to rest. He knew his limits. So what we need to do tonight is this. We need to be aware of busyness. I like what one author said. He said, busyness that sneaks up on you, makes you think you are more important than you are, and sells you a set of activities that are usually overvalued. Being busy... Is not in and of itself sinful. I would say that most of us like to stay busy. I don't like sitting around doing nothing. I believe I'm looking at a bunch of folks that don't like sitting around doing nothing. We like being busy, but we must be busy doing the right things. American writer Mary O'Connor put it this way. Now listen to what she says. She says, it's not so much how busy you are, but why are you busy? She said, the bee is praised the mosquito is swatted. Think about that. And by the way, busyness does not equal productivity. Busyness does not equal productivity in our life. We must guard against staying too busy. Busyness can lead to burnout. You burn the candle at both ends, eventually your light goes out. Constant busyness messes up our nerves agitates our minds, drains us spiritually, plunders us emotionally, and debilitates us physically. So a question that we need to consider, in what ways have you become too busy? And what changes do you need to make? How many believe if God rested, so should we? And he rested one day a week. I mean, it was the one day a week there was rest. Second thing we need to do tonight, not only identify what needs to change in our life, but we need to intentionally withdraw to refresh and replenish. Can I ask you a question? What what good is your phone? Now, think about it. I'm hard on our phones sometimes, but tonight I'm going to use them in a positive light. (laughs) What good is your phone if you never set it aside to charge it? It's not any good, is it? It's not any good. I mean, even our phones have to recharge in order for them to be useful see, we need to intentionally set aside time to recharge. As one writer said, many are slowly succumbing to the strain of life because they have forgotten how to rest. Rest is not a sedative for the sick, but a tonic for the strong. It saves us from becoming slaves of even good works. That reminds me uh, of what my dad always would say, don't get so busy in the work of God you forget about the God of the work. Look, we should never be time wasters. When we recharge and refresh, we restock our hearts. It's not a waste of time. It's never wasted time. How many agree tonight that you need time to think? You need time to be still. How many remember what Psalms 46 and verse 10 tells us, to be still and know He's God? God. We need time to be still. We need time to hide God's word in our heart. We need time to read the word, to pray through things that we're battling. We need time to enjoy creation, to have fun. Fun's a good thing. Fun is a God-given gift to our lives. We need time to just go for a walk, to watch a movie, to uh, to read to our kids. How about this one? We need time to sleep. We need time to get some sleep, to withdraw from all of the cares of life. Robert Morgan said, "Most of the world work so hard so they can enjoy their leisure." He said, "Christians enjoy their leisure so they can work hard." Look, we need this change in perspective that he just mentioned in our lives. When you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus modeled this. He's, Mark 1, verse 35 through 37, says this: "Very early in the morning, while it' was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus, and they said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. So Jesus got so distant away from people, maybe they got concerned about him. He went off by himself. Luke 4.42 says this, at daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. Jesus went off to be by himself. Matthew 14.13 says, when Jesus had heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus was in the regular practice of withdrawing to replenish and rest and restore. There are many other scriptures, but these are sufficient to say that this was a practice of Jesus' life. Look, now listen, not just a vacation. Some A lot of us think, well, I'll take a week vacation. You know, a lot of us men, we like to boast in how busy and how, how, how much we work. Well, I just work all the time. I hadn't had a day off in three or four weeks. I said that one time, I hadn't had a day off in like four or five weeks, and I said that one time, and the Holy Spirit just convicted me on the spot. And thoughts started, and the Holy Spirit was feeding thoughts maybe to my mind. It was like, your family's not any more important to you than that. Your wife's not any more important to you than that. And, and God was trying to teach me look at ministry, has it's become the most important thing in your life. And that's, 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 this is backwards. Your relationship with me is number one, but you need to take care of your family. And so we almost boast sometimes on how much we work, almost like it's, it's, it's our self worth, or like that's what we got to do to feel secure or be accepted by other people. And it's not true. We almost look at rest like, man, that's just being lazy. And and, and that's not, you know, it's a waste of my time and all that. No, God calls us and tells us to rest. Jesus withdrew regularly to a solitary place to rest. And then the third thing is this. We need to intentionally withdraw to refresh and replenish. But the third thing is this. This is just very simple. We get the proper amount of sleep. Get the proper amount of sleep. You never thought you'd probably hear that in a message, did you? (laughs) Not while I'm preaching. (laughs) Get the proper amount of sleep. And it's it's true we can have too much sleep. Uh, that That is true. And some of you get too much. But, look, what we need to be highly productive and excel in different areas of life is most often the very first thing we neglect when we become busy, and that's sleep. Look, sleep, I like what one pastor said. Sleep is not a waste of time. Sleep is a gift from God. And he he continued, he said, sleep, now listen to what this pastor said. He said, sleep reminds me that I'm not God. Sleep reminds me that I'm not God, but I'm a human that's frail and weak and limited. That's a new perspective on sleep, isn't it? Neg- neglecting sleep, one doctor said, comes with a physical price to pay. Think about these facts. Just one week of sleeping fewer than six hours a night results in damaging changes to more than 700 genes, uh, coronary narrowing, and signs of brain tissue loss. And you know, I read that and I forgot that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. The latter is partly because sleep activates the brain's garbage disposal system, cleaning out toxins and waste products. Chronic sleep deprivation is associated with an increased risk of infection, stroke, cancers, high blood pressure, heart disease, and infertility. Sleep loss increases hunger, desire for larger portion sizes. Wow and preference for high-calorie, high-carb food with the resulting risk of obesity. In short, sleeping is not a useless waste of time, this doctor said, but an essential biological need that prevents infection and helps us maintain a healthy body weight. Wow, so much from sleep. Do you realize all that? So much from sleep that we miss, we often neglect because we're too busy. Look, and we know that lack of sleep doesn't affect us just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I know when I'm not getting the rest that I need uh, and the sleep that I need, uh, it can affect my irritability, being easily frustrated and short with those that I love. So The words of Christ, get some rest. Words of Jesus that we often overlook. But rest is a gift from God and as much a part of creation as the rest of the things we've learned about in this study. What are some God-honoring changes? that you can make to your life to be healthier, happier, holier? What are some things tonight in your mind that need to change so I can do as God designed on the seventh day and get some rest? Let's stand together tonight for prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Robbie, if you would, close us in prayer.